Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you're joining with us here today as we start a brand new series called Forward Together. And here's the big idea for this series right up front. What we want to explore is really how we might move forward into the future that God has for us and how we can do that together. That's really what the series is all about, that we want to move forward in the future God has for us, and we need to do that actually together. So first, so first, what we want to do is we want to move into the future that God has for us because we believe that God has a purpose for this church, that God has a plan for this church, and that God is actually inviting us to join with him in what he is already doing. That as we talk about it here at Bethany, we talk about changing the world starting right here in Niagara. And we do that through being a caring community to a hurting world. We do that through being changed by Jesus and then also joining with Jesus and changing lives around us that this really matters for us. And there are four things, four things that I really do believe that God is calling us into, that the future that he has for us is going to be marked by at least four different things, that what God has in store for us is for us to be joining in with new things, countercultural things, Jesus-y things, and communal-focused good things. I want to explain what I mean by those four things. That first, what I really do believe that God has for us, the future that he has in store for us, it is a new future, meaning that there will be new opportunities, meaning there will be new invitations, meaning we might even need to be stretched into doing new things. Because what God does is not just a repeat of the past. He actually is always working in the present, calling us into the future that he has in store for us. Listen to how Isaiah puts it. Isaiah says this, For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? This is what I believe God's going to be calling us into for the future that he has for us. It's something new. Secondly, secondly, it's also something countercultural that God always calls us to live really differently than the world around us. Paul puts it this way in Romans 12, verse 1. He says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. That what God has for us is really to live differently than the world around us, to live with grace, to live with sacrifice, to live actually with compassion and mercy, to live actually putting others first. And this is all countercultural. So God's going to invite us into things that are new and different than the world around us, but God will never also not invite us into something that isn't Jesus-y. Really, that the future that God has for us is always and only will be Jesus-y. Meaning really, really simply, that God looks like Jesus. So God will never invite us to do something that doesn't live, love, or look like Jesus Christ. Because he is the full revelation of who he is. Paul puts it this way. He says, for in Christ, God's fullness was pleased to dwell in a human body. Right? So God is Jesus-y. And then lastly, what God will be inviting us into is not only to new things, countercultural things, or Jesus-y things. He's going to be invite us into doing things for the good of the community around us. That what God has in terms of a plan and a purpose is not just good for us, but good for the community around us. That churches, churches exist for the flourishing and the life of the community that they are placed in. That the future that God has for us is not just about us. It is always about the places and the locations and the people that God has placed us with. For example, Jeremiah writes this. He says, And work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. So as we think about the future that God has for us, this is what it should look like. It should look like new things. It should look like countercultural things. It should look like Jesus-y things. And it should certainly look like good for our community as well. Not just us, but those around us. As Jeremiah says, Work for the peace and the prosperity of the city that I sent you. So this is what we're called to do. 
But we also really believe that if we're going to be moving forward into this future that God has for us, we actually have to do this together. That God works in community, God works in relationships, God works in connections. That in our world, we have a real tendency to slide into individualism and also personal preferences. God actually invites us to do something different. He invites us actually to move forward always together, actually in unity with one another. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 4. Paul says this, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves, listen to what he says, keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. Now, what Paul is writing about there is that we need to move forward together in unity. And this is so countercultural in our day and age. It's so easy to split into sides and teams and positions, but that's actually not. That's actually not faithful to Christ. But what Christ invites us to do is to move forward together. Do you want to know what actually really changed people's lives in the early church? Do you want to know why the early church grew? It was actually because of their unity, actually. It wasn't their preaching, it wasn't their teaching, and it wasn't their morality that what really draw people to Christ and to be interested in the church and what was happening was their almost impossible and unlikely unity. Paul puts it this way. He says this, And all have been united with Christ in baptism, have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. And he says this, He says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And it was that oneness, it was that connection across differences that made people believe in the reality of Christ. So as we look forward into the future that God has for us, the only way, the only way we can actually find it is by moving forward together. This is why for this series, we want to do something a little bit different. Because we really do believe that we are called forward into the future that God has for us, that is going to be new, countercultural, Jesus-y, and community-focused, right? That we are called forward into this future together. And so to be able to journey well together, what we also really need to do is we really need to understand one another better. That you can't journey with someone if you don't really understand them. So for this series, what we're going to do is something, as I said, a little bit different. We want to take the next five weeks, actually, and to just really explore the different spaces, stages, and places that people in our church can be in. So specifically, over the next four weeks, we're going to be exploring four different stages. We're going to explore what it's like to be a child and how we should be responding as a church journeying together. We're going to be exploring what it's like to be a youth or a young adult and how we are called to journey together. We're going to explore what it's like to be an adult and how we're called to journey together. And we're also going to explore what it's like to be kind of a seasoned adult or an older adult and how we might journey together. Because this is just true. If we don't understand one another across all of these different ages and stages, we won't be able to journey well together. So we're exploring what does the Bible say about each of these stages? What does some lived experience say? And specifically, how might we care and journey together? And then on the last week, we're going to take a look at also how we can come together across difference and really uh, about diversity moving forward in a space of unity here together. And so that's what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. We're going to be really just learning about the different places that people might find themselves in our church so that we might be able to care for one another deeper and better and therefore move into the future that God has for us. And then today, we want to take a look at one of those four groups or stages, again with the lens, that as we learn about one another, we can care for each other better and deeper and then move forward together. And so today, I want to take a look at one of those ages or stages that is often overlooked in our culture, 
that's often maybe a little bit ignored in our culture, that often maybe feels a little bit forgotten in our culture. I want to talk about today, seasoned adults. When I talk about seasoned adults, here's what I mean. I mean people that are kind of above the age of like 65, that sometimes we talk about it in terms of, you know, you have your first half of life and kind of the second half of life. Or sometimes we might put it there, there are certain people who have like discounts at certain stores. That's the space we want to be talking about here today. We want to be talking about seasoned adults. And I want to look at specifically, what does the Bible say about people who are in that age, stage, and place? How are we called to journey together? How are we called to respond to one another? Because I really think the Bible has a very unique perspective, certainly contrary to our world's perspective. Because this is just true. Our world has a real idol out of like adolescence and youth. That what our world does is to say that really the only things that matter, the only thing that matter is like being young and cool and hip and all of that. That what we have done really in our world and our culture is that we have almost this assumption that the older you get, the less impact that you can make. I think that's how our world is actually structured. We have this idea that the older you get, the less impact that you can make. And this affects, this affects not only people in their 70s, but also people in their like 20s and 30s. That I've met, you know, 20 and 30 year olds who actually feel like their life is kind of behind them and they haven't achieved anything yet. Because what we have done, as I said, is we've really made an idol out of youth and adolescence that really what we've done is we've tied adolescence to authenticity and therefore resources. Okay? We've tied adolescence to authenticity and therefore resources, which is just a fancy way of saying that things that are young and cool and hip are seen as authentic and therefore can have money and finances attached to them. This is why brands are constantly trying to be like cool, young, and hip because they worry if they're seen older that then they will have less actual access to resources, finances, and authenticity. We've just made an idol out of youth and adolescence in our culture. It's called kind of the cult of the new. And therefore, what we've done is we've actually downplayed the incredibly important and unique actual impact that seasoned adults can bring. So what I want to start off with is really sharing with you some of the biblical perspective on the importance of those who are seasoned in our community and in our lives. Because here's what I want to state right up front, that there is no aging out in the ministry of God. There's no aging out of the ministry of God, meaning that every single person is called to serve in God's kingdom, and every single person can make an impact regardless of their age and stage. We actually see this very clearly in the Bible, especially about some of the impact of those who are more seasoned or older. I want to read to you a number of different verses here today. Okay, so first I want to share with you what ends up happening with Moses. Moses ends up going before Pharaoh. Anyone know how old he was? When he goes before Pharaoh, really to change the entire Israelite kind of landscape, really. You know how old he was? He was 80 when he does this. We read this in Exodus 7, verse 7. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 when they made their demands to Pharaoh. Right? That's where they're beginning. In their 80s, they made their most significant contribution. Or we read this in Genesis 21 about Abraham and Sarah. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what she had promised, well, exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time that God had said it would. That God has keeps his word and they were faithful ministry still in their old age. Or Paul writes this in Philemon 1 verse 9. He says this, but because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this a request for me. And then listen to what he says. Paul, an old man and now a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. Right? That some of Paul's most fruitful ministry happened later on in life for him as he's writing letters and really sharing and shepherding churches. Or we read of this with Luke and with the prophet uh, Anna and the importance of persistent prayer. 
We read this in Luke. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years, and she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simon was talking to Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. That her most important ministry of actually recognizing the person of Jesus and sharing the importance of the person of Jesus happens well into her 80s. That there is no aging out of the kingdom of God. There is no aging out of our service and impact to others. That as a prophet Isaiah puts it, he says this, and this is God speaking. God says, I have cared for you since you were born. Yes, I've carried you before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. And what the Bible speaks about, what the Bible speaks about is the importance of our continued actual service to God, our continued actual service to the world that God has created, and that we never kind of age out of this. I think this is an important thing for us to remember. Because as I've talked with many kind of seasoned adults in our community and in different communities, often because of our culture, often because of our culture, they have this feeling or this burden that as someone gets older, their impact becomes more irrelevant or difficult to maintain. This is something I think our culture teaches. And this is something actually the Bible also speaks about, about the worry as we kind of grow older that we might have less of an impact on those around us. I want to read to you Psalm 71. And this is a beautiful psalm that really reveals a seasoned perspective of what it's like to live if you're a seasoned kind of person. So if you're in that stage, listen to the language of the psalmist and see if it helps you to give language to your own experience. And if you're not in that season or that stage, I want to invite you to listen to these words to help us to understand one another so that we might better care for each other. We read this in Psalm 71. I'm going to read to you a few different verses. The psalmist writes this. He says, O Lord, you alone are my hope. I've trusted you, O Lord, from childhood. Yes, you have been with me from birth. From my mother's womb, you have cared for me. No wonder I am always praising you. My life is an example of many. Because you have been my strength and protection, that is why I can never stop praising you. And I declare your glory all day long. And then listen to him really reveal the desires of his heart from someone from a seasoned perspective. He says this, and now, and now in my old age, don't set me aside. This is what he's longing for. Now, in my old age, don't set me aside. Don't abandon me when my strength is failing. He continues to write a little bit later. He says, Oh God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood, and I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, oh God. This is his heart's desire. He's really revealing, right, where he's at. Listen to this. Now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, oh God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation your mighty miracles to all who come after me. This is a really important verse if we're going to really understand how we can journey together across all different ages and stages. Because this verse really does reveal what it's like to live in a more seasoned perspective. Listen to what he says. I can never stop praising you. I declare your glory all day long. And now in my old age, don't set me aside. Don't abandon me when my strength is failing. Now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation. Your mighty miracles to all who come after me. I think this is a perspective that we really do need if we're going to care for one another deeper and better. That what the psalmist, as someone who is older, reveals that his deepest convictions is somebody like that he desires not to be forgotten, not to be set aside, not to be ignored or overlooked. But notice, 
Notice the real desire isn't just a relevancy. That's not it. The real desire is that the psalmist wants to pass on what he has learned, what he has experienced, what he has seen in terms of God's faithfulness to the next generation. This is the psalmist's deepest desires, is to take all of his life experience and to be able to share that for the benefit of those who come after him. Listen to what he says. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. What he hopes deep down is that the faithfulness that God has demonstrated to him might be an encouragement for those who are continuing in kind of an earlier stage. That's what he's hoping for. That the faithfulness God has demonstrated to him might be passed on to the next generation. I think this is really important for us to grasp if we're going to be able to journey together, especially, you know, across different ages and stages to understand that those who are seasoned actually have not only life experience to share, but faithfulness of God to share with us. That is both for our encouragement and our formation and for our direction. This is why today, today we're going to do something a little bit different. I obviously do not come from the seasoned kind of perspective, right? I obviously am not in that space. So today I want to make sure that we actually practice this psalm, where the psalmist really cries out and says, let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. Today, we want to hear two stories from people who are more seasoned in our congregation for our encouragement, so they might share some of the faithfulness that God has shown to them, so we can also come to expect it in our lives. So let's hear those stories now. Hi, Bethany family. My name is Joan York, and I've been part of our Bethany community for the past 19 years. I'm so grateful for this opportunity to share with you God's faithfulness in my life. When I was young in the Anglican Church, I would gaze at a stained glass window inscribed with John 3.16, and I wondered then, how do I know if I believe enough? But God was already faithfully working in my life. Through a chain of God-orchestrated events, at 25, I committed to following Christ with my whole life and I knew I was now a child of God. God wonderfully brought my husband Jim into his family too, and so our journey of faith and learning of God's faithfulness had begun. In those early years, I taught Sunday school, and I grew so much. What better way to learn than through teaching Bible stories? A good friend also encouraged me to do personal devotions, and attend women's Bible studies. And through other Christians, God faithfully discipled me. Soon after, at the church we were attending, there was a sad and unfortunate split. And this almost caused me to give up on church. But God again was faithful and led us to Stony Creek Alliance Church, where I soon started to teach again. And then, became the director of children's ministries. I loved my job and worked there for about 11 years. So it was horrible again when a new pastor came and let several of the staff go, including myself. I had felt this ministry was my life, and I was devastated. In this one moment, I lost my job, my place of worship, and my circle of friends. I really did wonder what God was doing. Why would he allow this to happen? 
how could I go on? And did I even want to go on? Where would we go to church? Did I even want to go to church? Was I angry with God? Yes, I was. Looking back, I think that was the lowest point in my life. But God was faithful. Through networking in my children's ministry job, I had connected with Karen Siemens, the children's ministry director at Bethany at that time. So I had heard all about Bethany. You were just moving into the new edition in 2003, and it sounded very exciting. And God was faithful as we started over again here at Bethany. God also led me into a new job as director of Hannah House Maternity Home, a home for pregnant teenage girls. A far cry from the Sunday school children of my previous experiences. But God had some new lessons to teach me about life outside my comfort zone. He led me into another world, and I learned a lot about giving and receiving unconditional love and grace. God was faithful. At Bethany, I was soon able to teach again, but now women in the Precept Bible class. I had never thought I would want to teach adults. I was sure children were much easier to deal with. But God was faithful, and I loved it. In more recent years, as I cared for a husband with dementia, went through cancer, a move, and then the unexpected death of my dear Jim, God's faithfulness has been demonstrated to me over and over again by His people, the Church. Andrew's messages from Lamentations during COVID allowed me the freedom to cry out to God and even question Him. I also attended a seminar on the dark night of the soul. It was so timely as I walked through a valley of despair. Through the Stephen ministry here at Bethany, God faithfully provided me with a wonderful, encouraging Stephen minister to be there for me as I worked my way through cancer, Jim's dementia, COVID, and then Jim's death. And of course, the support of my beloved home church has been priceless. If you're not in a home church, get in one. I can't recommend it enough. On the back of Jim's gravestone, we inscribed these words from Lamentations 3, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The verses go on to say, His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. To those of you who are younger, take heart. Life can be hard, but don't give up on God you might not see it clearly right away, but God sees the big picture of your life. He is faithful, and His mercies are fresh and new every morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Tony Wong. I am 73 years old, and I'm a retired physician. I decided to be a follower of Christ 22 years ago because I was convinced, without a shadow of a doubt, that God has saved my life many times and he had given me a lot of gifts that I did not and do not deserve. 
God constantly gave me inspiration, guidance, ideas, and strength so that I could have a good, healthy, and happy life. I was born in 1949 in a very poor village in southern China. My family was very poor. When I was born, my mom had to cut the umbilical cord herself, and she had to take care of me and herself without any outside help. Both of us survived the ordeal because God came to our rescue. Praise the Lord! That was the first miracle in my life. When I was two and a half years old, one day, I was playing outside the house by myself. I accidentally slipped and fell into a lake nearby. There was no one around to help me. I was struggling in the water and I was almost drowned. I was able to get, out of, uh, get onto solid ground because God came to save my life. Praise and thank the Lord again for another miracle. In 1952, when I was three, with God's blessings, my mom and I were able to join my father in Hong Kong. One day, when I was in grade two, I was playing with my friends in the school courtyard. All of a sudden, I was hit in the head by a basketball. I fainted instantly. I was in a coma for half a day, but fortunately, I was able to wake up later on without any injury or neurological deficit. I survived another potentially fatal accident. God saved my life again. I finished high school in 1968. I was admitted to the prestigious University of Hong Kong, but I was not happy there. I was not sure what I was going to do. One day, all of a sudden, I had an inspiration from God that I should go to Canada for further education. For me, going to Canada at that time was just pure fantasy because I had no financial resources to do that. Interestingly though, God managed a few jobs for me so that I could make some money to uh, cover my expenses for the first year. Amazing indeed. September 1969, I came to Canada. God's grace is always enough. His blessings allow me to manage my life successfully in a new country. Things were well controlled physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially. I was doing chemistry at McMaster University. I was in second year, when one day, all of a sudden, I received an inspiration from God that I should prepare myself to become a physician. I found the idea of me becoming a physician utterly delusional and absurd because my deficient fam uh, family genes that I had inherited would preclude me from achieving that goal. However, I followed God's direction and applied to a few medical schools in Ontario. In March 1973, I was admitted to the University of Toronto Medical School. Amazing indeed. Only God can give me that kind of incredible and amazing gift. With God's blessings, all the way, I graduated from medical school and became a physician. Then I found out that there was a vacancy for a physician in St. Catharines, a small city I had no knowledge of. I was not keen in moving to St. Catharines. As a matter of fact, I rejected the idea. But with God's inspiration, I moved to St. Catharines in June 1978. I arrived in St. Catharines and started my career as a physician. That was 44 plus years ago. I have had a healthy life, a happy family, and a fruitful and successful career in St. Catharines. All these were granted to me by God's grace. I do not deserve them. When I look at my life of 73 plus years, I think of Psalm 71 verses 6 and 7. It says, Yes, you have been with me from birth. From my mother's womb, you have 
care for me, no wonder I am always praising you. My life is an example to many because you have been my strength and protection. Since I entered the final stretch of my life journey, I have faced many difficult and challenging issues, but I know I am not fighting them alone. God is with me and He gives me guidance and strength to deal with the issues that I face. He keeps reminding me to have the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Brothers and sisters, no matter how hard life is or how tough the struggle is, don't give up. Have faith in God. Trust Him. He will let you rest in green meadow. The Lord is indeed our good shepherd. Amen. Thank you. Weren't those good to hear today? We need those stories from people who have lived with decades of faithfulness to Christ. Because here's just the truth, and this is something our culture has forgotten, is that wisdom is only grown and acquired through life experience. That wisdom is only grown and acquired through life experience. We have equated in our culture, right, cultural fluency with like wisdom, which just means, which just means that we think that if somebody's like really fluent in our culture, meaning they're up on like TikTok, crypto, and like Reddit or whatever, that somehow they have something worth sharing. What I want to remind you is that true wisdom only comes in and through life experience. That you might not have something to share just based on the number of followers you have, but the life you have lived. And this becomes radically obvious. That if, if we want to understand, really, how we might, I don't know, have a marriage that lasts 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, we should talk to people who have been married for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, right? That lived experience creates wisdom. Or another example of this, that if we want to understand how to navigate change, we really shouldn't look to like TikTok business influencers talking about disruption. No, no, no. We should talk to the generation that has been through the most change of any generation ever. These are people in their, you know, 70s, 80s, and 90s. This generation has lived through the most change. So we should talk to them. Or if we want to know what it looks like to really live a faithful life to Christ, we should talk to people who've been doing it for decades longer than us. This is the importance of really listening to that generation proclaim the faithfulness of God. This is why it's so important for us to actually come together and to be able to listen and to learn from one another. This is why those who are seasoned, their impact has not faded. The impact is actually just beginning because we need those stories. We need that experience. We need that wisdom here together and we need one another. So today, what is my main point here today? My main point is really simple. Just based off of that verse that we read where the psalmist says, let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. My main point is just this here this morning, that we need to listen deeper to those with life experience and wisdom. That we need to listen deeper to those with life experience and wisdom. Because those people in the seasoned generation have something to share with us. And I can tell you that here at Bethany, after our kind of our large survey that we've just kind of completed, we are really blessed to have about 30% of our church be in kind of that seasoned kind of stage. This is a huge blessing to us because this group of people are loyal, they are dedicated, and likely have been following Jesus for decades. That as we kind of did that survey, what we realized is that many of those people might be new to faith, but actually the majority of people in the seasoned category have been following Christ for a very, very long time and that they have experienced his faithfulness over decades. They're in what we might call the close to Christ or the Christ-centered space in terms of their actual spiritual walk with him. 
They were also the people, not surprisingly at all, that were most likely actually to do the survey because they are loyal, dedicated, and really about service and actual generosity to other people. So we're really grateful to have so many people, to have so many people in that age and stage in our community, because that is a wealth of life experience about what it means to follow Jesus in a changing world. And I think that we need that. So today, today, what does this mean for us here practically? Because as always, we don't just come for information, we come for transformation. And specifically in this series, we are seeking really to understand people in different stages than we are, so that, so that we might care for one another and journey together deeper and better. So today I have a few different action points. I have three actually. I have one action point for those of us who might not be in the season kind of category. That would be myself included. Then I have an action point for those of you who might be in that kind of seasoned adult space. And then lastly, I have an action point for all of us together, wherever you might be at. So first, I want to talk to those people who might not be kind of in the seasoned adult category of life. You know, you might be an adult, youth, young adult, child, whatever it may be. And today, I have a really clear, clear challenge for you. And here's my challenge for you today if you're not in the seasoned adult category. My challenge for you is to give financially here to Bethany. That's my challenge for you today to actually give sacrificially, to give generously, to tithe, and to actively be involved in giving financially here to Bethany. Now, I know as soon as I say that, that is likely not what you were expecting in this sermon where we're talking about really seasoned adults. But I think if you start to think about it, you'll understand why, why I am making that the challenge for those of us who are in any generation other than the seasoned adult category. Because this is just true. This is just true. We right now at Bethany are living in the legacy of the giving of those who have come before. We right now at Bethany are living in the legacy of the giving of those who have come before. That the seasoned adult generation has been giving faithfully, sacrificially, and deeply for decades so that we could be here. We are living in the fruit of their choices 20, 30, 40 years ago. This is important for us to recognize. That if we actually want to respect the legacy of those who have come before us, that one of the ways we can do that is by partnering in giving. That if, if you have received any blessing, hope, mercy, or compassion from not only this church, but really from any church in your life, this is not only because of the goodness of God, it is also because of the faithful sacrifice of the seasoned adults in that time and space who gave of their finances, who gave generously so that we might receive. I just think this isn't something important for us to not only name, but to appreciate and to even celebrate that 20, 30 years ago, people here gave so we might have all that we have here, so that we might be able to faithfully follow Jesus. And I think that one of the ways we can respect and appreciate that generation is to actually step into that role of giving. Because what studies have shown is that people in that generation have been the most faithful, loyal, and dedicated givers. And that there isn't actually any other generation that has stepped into that. Some people think it might be Gen Z, but we have yet to kind of see that. So I want to invite you just really clearly that if you've received something, we should give. Give as a response and also gratefulness for those who have given before. But then what about those who are kind of in a season category? Well, here's what I'd like to invite you to do here today. Here's my challenge. My challenge for you is would you pray? Would you pray for us? Would you pray for every age and stage? Would you pray for our church? Would you pray for our leadership? Would you just pray for the people in this place? Because prayer, prayer is not like the least you can do. Prayer is one of the things that has the most impact that you can actually be joining in with. So if you're a seasoned adult, I want to invite you, would you pray persistently? Would you pray continually? Would you pray deeply for us and our church and our leadership that we need that? 
I want to share with you why that is so meaningful. And to do that, I want to share with you a story about a wonderful seasoned adult here at our church. I'm going to call her uh, Mary. That's not her real name. I want to call her Mary. I want to explain to you a little bit about who she is and how her persistent prayers have been such an encouragement to me. I want to share with you uh, one story about Mary just to get an idea of who she is. Mary is somebody who is The best way to put this is like fiery and passionate and direct. She's well into her 90s, and she is one of the most lovely and amazing women here in our church. After COVID, when she came back for the very first time, this is like quintessential her, okay? When she came back for the first time, she gave me a hug and a kiss on the cheek. And as we were standing out in the foyer after the service, she said to me, and I had no idea how to react. She said to me, oh, oh, Pastor Andrew, you are so handsome today. You are just looking so good today. It's so good to see you in person. Like you're just getting more handsome by by the week or something like that. And I got to tell you, I was completely like flustered and awkward. You can probably imagine how I would get. I had no idea how to react to this. She's also saying this very loudly in the foyer. I just, I didn't know what to do. She sees me becoming very awkward. And so she says, oh, 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 dear Andrew, don't worry. I'm so old that I can say whatever I want and I don't care what people think. This is who she is, okay? Just like fiery, passionate, and direct. And a few months ago, a few months ago, we had a service here really talking about the Holy Spirit. There was a series for that. Uh, Many of you were here for that. That was just in May. And during part of it, actually, I ended up praying with Mary. And she shared with me, she shared with me how during that series, that she had been praying for 25 years for a series like that, to really talk about the Holy Spirit, to really invite people to receive the Holy Spirit, that she had been praying for our church for this specific thing for over 25 years. The impact that that made on me, I can't tell you how deeply that went, how much it not only encouraged me, but also affirmed the direction that we were going to know that somebody has been praying for that long and that then we get to be a part of some of the answers to that prayers. It is incredibly, incredibly impactful. So what I want to share with you really clearly is that if you're in that kind of seasoned adult category, do not dismiss the importance of faithful, persistent prayers. We need that. We need that desperately. I need that. We all do. So I want to encourage you to do that. And then thirdly, Thirdly, what do I have for us? You likely have seen this maybe coming from the beginning of the sermon. Okay. Thirdly, what I want to invite us is really for all of us to do together is that we need to listen to those stories of those who are in that seasoned generation. We need to listen to those stories of those who are in that seasoned generation. Specifically, we need to listen, learn, and journey together. So if you're a seasoned person, what I want to invite you to do is to share some of your story like we've seen here even today. And if you're not in that generation, what I want to invite you to do is to listen to somebody's story who is in that generation. Because we need these stories to be shared. We need the faithfulness of God that you've experienced over sometimes decades for us to know and to learn about. I can't tell you how much some of those stories of people in our own congregation have shaped and formed me. I remember kind of in the first little while of us getting here, and we moved down here, Chris and I went to go see a dear old saint within our church. And I use that term correctly because she is a saint, really. And as we sat around for tea in her home, she shared with me how she had worked for justice here in St. Catharines, overturning laws that were discriminatory. She told me about how God had been so faithful to her through these amazing ups and downs. And after we left that tea, I remember turning to Kristen and said, I hope I'm like that when I get older. I hope I can live in that sort of a way. This is some of the impact that sharing your story can have. I can't tell you the number of people here in our church who have shaped my life right, who are in that seasoned kind of adult category. People like Bob or Norville, who's likely watching online even now, and writes me hand-wrote notes about his own life. This matters so immensely. What I want to invite you to do, what I want to invite you to do is to really do something countercultural, and that's actually listen to people in a different space than you are. 
Let's listen to people in a different space than you are. Our culture teaches us that as you grow, you have less to share. That is simply untrue. So what I want to challenge each and every one of you to do is something really simple. Would you listen or share a story if you're in that seasoned generation? Because I do believe that we need those stories. We need it for our encouragement, for our direction, and for our formation. And so today, today, as we seek to go, here's my challenge for each of us. If you aren't in the seasoned generation, would you give and listen to a story? And if you are in the seasoned generation, would you pray and share a story? Because I think we all need this. If we're going to journey into the future God has for us, and if we're going to do that together. And so to close, so to close, I want to share one last verse, actually. I've already shared it. But if you're in the seasoned generation, I hope that this might be an encouragement to you. I hope that God might speak to you in and through this and just be a reminder that he is with you. Listen to what God says in Isaiah. He says this. I have cared for you since you were born. Yes, I carried you before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and rescue you. May that be true for all of us, but might we hear God within that. And as always, let us pray together. God, I ask, whatever space or place we might be at, I pray, God, would you continue to speak to us? I pray would you continue to move within our lives. Might we have, God, the ability to not only to listen, but to share stories? I pray, God, would we continue to come together across difference so that, so that, God, we might move forward together. So, Lord, I pray as we go throughout this week, I pray might we have ears to hear not only you, but you speaking through those who are seasoned in our lives. And if you are seasoned, I pray, would you have the courage to share your story with those in your home church, with those that you know, with people younger, so that we all might learn and listen but most of all, grow closer to God in and through that sharing. And I pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and